Shay, check, say, check, say check. something nice. We're good. Love We're it. good. Levels yep. are good. Perfect. Well, welcome, Elevator Gang. It is uh, Teed and Frank sitting here with Shay. Um, yes. Hello. Shay, Shay, how you doing? Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We're super excited to learn about, I guess, your, it's a disease. Yeah. Were you born with it? Yeah, so it's a genetic disease. Um, both parents have to be a carrier of the disease. Wow. So my parents didn't know they were carriers of the SMA gene. Yeah. No one else in our family had history mm -hmm. of it. Um, and so if both parents are a carrier, they have a one in four chance of the child being born with SMA. So I wasn't diagnosed until I was 18 months old. Mm -hmm. It was at about a year old where my parents started noticing I wasn't hitting all my milestones. Yeah. And that like I would stand, but I always wanted to hold on to something and I wouldn't take steps unless I was like holding someone's hand. Mm -hmm. And so they started um, asking around and everyone just said I was a lazy baby. I would do it eventually, like not to worry about it. And so my parents became pregnant with my brother and they were still trying to figure out what was going on with me. And at 18 months old, um, I was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy type two. And my brother had been born a month earlier. And so then they had to check him. He's not, um, he doesn't have SMA. He's not affected by it. But he was born with a heart defect. And so he actually spent the first year of his life in wow. the hospital um, had open heart surgery. So my parents were kind of balancing Jesus. my diagnosis and his condition. Um, and my diagnosis, when they received it, they gave me a life expectancy of 12 to 13 years old. Wow. And so- How old are you today? 23. 23. Nice. Yeah. Wow, and so it. they were processing that and had another sick baby and Jesus. were like just new in their marriage, beginning teachers. And yeah, it was a crazy, crazy How are they not alcoholics? Time. Right? So, so my so that, dad does not drink, never yeah. had a drink in his wow. life. And yeah. yeah, they there's pictures of my mom like pushing me in a stroller and pulling a wagon behind her with my brother and all his oxygen tanks. Yeah, wow. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know how they did it. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Crazy. So you guys are two years apart, you and your brother? Yeah, we're like 17 months apart. 17 months. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah, it was always a bit of a sibling rivalry growing up and a balancing act for my parents to like oh, make sure I had everything I needed, but then still paid attention yeah, to my not, brother. Not leave, and like, not yeah. leave the, the yeah. little bro. What's your little brother's name? Austin. Austin. Yeah. Cool. We go to school together in Calgary now. Oh, and nice. Yeah. It's super nice to have him. There. Yeah, for sure. He's so a you... bit of a freeloader, but yeah. okay, we work with it. <laughs> Shout out to Austin. Yeah. You guys close? We're super close. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, we are. Um... I guess like, um, sorry to interrupt, but I guess like when you have um, a disease, like I don't like saying disease. I yeah. don't know if there's another way to frame I it. I call it a condition. A condition. condition. So, yeah. So let's call or just it a thing. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's when you just... have a thing. Piece to me, the SMA piece. <laughs> yeah. So when you got this condition, I guess like you almost have to be close with family i mean yeah. they are like a primary caregiver right like your bro exactly. your bro probably was helping take care of you you were helping take care of him and you guys all i can't imagine the close bond that you guys yeah we kind of found our like niche in our family and so as austin got older he would start lifting me more so my parents backs weren't dying and he was strong and young and able to help with that sure. and he's not like a paper homework registering for classes kind of guy and so <laughs> i kind of filled in yeah. those gaps Hope in yeah. return and nice. yeah we it's kind amazing. of pick up each other's weaknesses and that's sweet yeah. that's and and so for the listeners what is sma 
So SMA is spinal muscular atrophy. It's a genetic neurological disease that affects the brain's communication to the muscles. And so beginning at your spine, it begins to atrophy and weaken and just spreads out through your body. It's a lot like ALS, um, Mm -hmm. but starts at birth instead of adulthood. So it's degenerative. You continue to lose abilities as you age. um, And it goes right down to impacting your ability to speak, your breathing, Mm -hmm. eating, everything, and eventually is a terminal um, disease. And what's the expectancy? Does it change so with the different types? So it changes types? with yeah. your types, yeah. Uh, yeah so reading. what are the different types? <clears throat> the different types are type um, one, two, and three are the primaries. There's type zero, um, which is the most severe, and type four, which is the most minor. Um, and they're not really discussed as often. Like right. with type zero, Less there's common. really just nothing you can do. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're very uncommon. Um, type one is the leading genetic killer of babies under two. And so it, um, yeah, it hits hard. It hits quick. Mm -hmm. I worked with a family in Calgary and their little boy was diagnosed at three months old and passed away just shy of his six month birthday. Wow. So it was like a quick aggressive. Yeah. And and I'm assuming the, the reason why there's that low life expectancy is it affects the respiratory muscles. Exactly. So is that, um, uh, in your case, is that something that is affected? Yeah. So my breathing, um, since my spine was the first to weaken, I got scoliosis super bad. And mm-hmm. so my spine was basically in a full S. Like I had a 110 degree curve wow. on the bottom oh and like an 80 some degree curve on the top. And so I am um, in grade eight. I did a 12 hour spinal fusion surgery. Mm-hmm. And so they like tractioned my spine, attached a rod on each side, wired it through all the yeah, vertebrae. Um, and that was like life changing for me. There were abilities I lost because of that surgery and the recovery, but it also like uncompacted all my organs. So mm-hmm. everything was just squished before. Right. And so I could breathe better. Yeah. And once I had that room to breathe, I could then strengthen those muscles. Yeah. Um, and so actually I'm super lucky. I'm a bit of a like rare case with SMA because for my type, I should be much weaker mm-hmm. than I am. I always say it's because my parents did such like intense therapies with me growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were, so you're you're they, type two? Yeah, I'm type two. Okay. And so like a lot of my friends with type two have trouble eating, mm. um, can't reach their face, like can't mm-hmm. move their arms at all. And I'm just, I just say I'm super lucky um, that I'm still able to do all those things. For sure. But yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the map as to what people have done to strengthen those muscles, to keep the strength they have mm-hmm. as to where their progression goes. But yeah, I'm super lucky that my lungs are strong. Right so now. are it's you awesome. required then to like maintain, do rehabilitation and physical therapy like all the time or? I'm not required to, but I choose Like is it to. a good idea? It's, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I like the idea. doctors actually don't recommend it. They Oh really? They have always said to me like, your bodies are gonna progress no matter what you do. So you can work your butt off, but you're gonna continue to get weaker. And yeah. so it's up I, to you. Yeah, I read though dumb. that uh, <laughs> physiotherapy um, actually yeah. can increase the life life expectancy though. So that's like so stupid that right? doctors would say that. And in your um, case, it's like a perfect example of that, right? Exactly. They, they so, gave you till when? 10? Yeah, 12. 12. my life expectancy. Jeez. And 
So at 18 months, as soon as I got my diagnosis, my parents started doing physios with me. So I did swimming therapy. I did horseback therapy. I was lit- There's literally pictures of me, like 18-month-old baby on top of a huge horse. Like, Because they heard that was really beneficial. What, um, why is that beneficial? For the core, the oh. balance and the mm. stability muscles cool. you use. Since SMA hits the spine first, it was really good for me to keep those yeah, muscles yeah. as strong as possible. Um, and then, yeah, we did physiotherapy, occupational therapy. Yeah. Um, I did a ton of like crawling therapy. There was always like rewards for me at the end. So they would like, oh, like make, dangle a donut at the sense. end or something. Exactly. It was always Shake food. But yeah. the funniest joke for all my friends is that one of the rewards I would get was if I would swim laps, I would get a chicken wing for every lap I would yeah. swim. And like, I loved food. So yeah. I would like work my butt off till I couldn't swim any more laps. Just, just like a pound of wings. All the wings. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. That's so awesome. Wow. What a, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your parents and caregiving. Yeah. Um, so they, obviously they carried that gene you said. Yeah. Um, how has it been, have they ever really explained to you how the process of caregiving, like, do you know kind of what they go through on a day to day? And of course I'm not taking away from your condition and I know that it obviously, um, um, spinal muscular dis- atrophy is, yeah has been difficult but i'm caregiving is something that is sometimes looked over yeah and the, and it's such a hard responsibility and hard to stay uh in it and exactly so, so like yeah just tell me a little bit about how great your parents have been and and, and how uh how amazing they are well they are amazing um yeah they have never once complained about the caregiving and that's something i didn't realize how amazing it was until I moved away and started working with other SMA families. And then I would hear some of their parents like complain about the sleepless nights or the hospital stays or their sore backs. And I was like, I never heard that from my parents. And it was so amazing. But then I kind of looked back and saw that my parents just dove head first Mm -hmm. into SMA. They were like, this is our life. They never complained about it. They did the proper counseling and took Mm -hmm. the proper steps. And there were times like my mom, when I got my first wheelchair, because I was able to walk for a while, it was so hard for them to watch me go from walking to using a wheelchair. And so she actually kept my wheelchair under a blanket for a year. She couldn't look at it, wasn't ready for it. And we continued to just use other ways of me getting around. And so there were like episodes like that that were obviously really difficult for them. And, yeah, I'm sure there were a bunch of those. Yeah, throughout. and like my hospital stays, like where they would be away from work and away from my brother and like away from their support system. And we also grew up in Musha with no family around. Oh, yeah. So it was 100% so my Immediate parents. family. Yeah. yeah. And so they were super good. Like before my back surgery, my back was in so much pain that I would wake up like every hour. And my mom would like massage my back or like give me Advil or whatever it was that I needed every hour. And then she would wake up in the morning, get us all out the door to school and go to school and work herself. Crazy. And it was just like our life. And so I didn't really think much of it. And then Mm -hmm. as I got into high school, I was like, wow, like this is my parents' life and it's Mm -hmm. completely different than theirs. Friends and their like siblings. And I think that was when I kind of decided that I wanted to move away after high school. I was like, they've given me an amazing life and I want to give them a break and I want to give them time with my brother because he had a year left Mm -hmm. and i want to give them time to kind of figure out what they want in their life and 
what is important to them. That's, totally. that's a crazy adult decision. Hear, hearing awesome. that uh, makes me feel like a very shitty person. Yeah. <laughs> hearing all the stuff your parents yeah. do for you every well, day. Yeah. Just, because your dad was my teacher and I didn't go easy on him. I was like the worst student ever. So. Oh, I'm sure you were not. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, that's insane. So what age were you when you became uh, wheelchair dependent? I became wheelchair dependent in grade three. That was when I could like no longer transfer out on my own or anything. Okay. I was fully. What was um, what was that experience like? It's for funny. You? So many people ask me, and I was so young. Yeah, you just don't. That it was just like my life. Like I don't right. remember it being like a traumatic time. I know my parents made it like fun to use my wheelchair, mm -hmm. right. and that at that point it was so physically exhausting for me to try to walk and yeah. try to stand and try to move that it was like. I preferred to be able to in use the wheelchair. the wheelchair to get around yeah, instead yeah. of like forcing my body to work so hard. And so I always say I'm grateful that it happened when I was so young because I can't imagine like walking all through elementary and then yeah, high school hits and it's sudden. like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair all of a mm -hmm. sudden. Like it happened just like as I was Gradually. growing up and it was just a part of my life. And you didn't really, yeah, you have my nothing friends, to compare it to, I guess. Yeah, my friends were so good and so like normal around me too that I think that really helped sure. with yeah, making it just, they didn't yeah. have like mm -hmm. the um like some sort of because when you have conditions or or lifelong illnesses or stuff like that obviously people are like pitying right yes and and sometimes that can piss probably that probably pisses you off sometimes like the last thing you want is to be pitied exactly right? do you get that a lot i get it a lot that that is like right up there with being called like inspirational mm -hmm. those two things are super hard for me because it's like I get that my life looks different and that I obviously work harder in certain areas to make it work, but it's my life. Like mm -hmm. I don't have a choice. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing it to have a life like anybody else. And yeah, it's more work and there's areas that look different, but I'm just living my life. Mm -hmm. And so I struggle with that and going between like, okay, to other people, it is inspirational that I can do these things. And it's important for people to have things that are inspirational. And mm -hmm. I myself have things that are inspirational. And I'll look at like Lewiston was the baby in Calgary that passed away just before his six month birthday. And like this sweater is um, from the foundation that we created in his memory. Oh, um, his awesome. parents started it up and I'm a board member there. And we've raised like over $500,000 towards Holy SMA shit. families wow. and research in Alberta. Um, and we can get into that after. There's a lot of cool stuff I've done with them. Cool. But I realized that he was my inspiration to yeah. keep doing things. And then I was like, you idiot. He has SMA as well. Like, why is that yeah. inspirational to you? And then I realized it was because he struggled harder than I had to. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of at that point that I was like, okay, I am inspirational to people because I struggle harder than they have to. Yeah. And that's okay. And so it's taken a long time for me to be okay with like the pity and people who are like, God bless you. Like, I hope one day you're healed and all those kind of things. And I'm just like, okay, that's how they look at it. And I've just been able to separate yeah. that and be like, I'm living my life the way I want to live my life, despite what I have. And I just allow my life to be what it needs to be for other people's lives without internalizing. See, that's why I think, yeah, that's why I so think dope. you're inspirational, not necessarily because you struggle so hard or stuff, but just kind of your, the way you look at life. Yeah. D despite everything, you know? And I think that came with like, I was presenting to some grade six and sevens yesterday and they were asking me what it was like to know my life expectancy was 12 to 13 the whole time I was growing up. And I think that's kind of what shaped my mindset. It was like, 
I went through grieving. Like I probably won't live past high school and then high school hit and I was like, oh shit, I'm still alive. What's next? And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna try university. But the whole time in my brain, it was like, I'll get a degree, but I'll never be strong enough or healthy enough to work. It'll just be that I like went through this step but by that point, I'll be so sick that it won't be You won't be able useful. to actually use it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I grieved all those things. And then in my first year of university, I went to a doctor and they were like, you have two to three good years left. Like, enjoy them. Do what you want with them. Like, your, your body's speeding up in deterioration. And so I went to a counselor and she was like, what's the worst part of that information? And I was like, For me, it's my funeral. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, I'm stressed about my funeral. And she's like, then plan your funeral. Like go through those motions, figure it out, figure out what you feel about it, why you're scared of it, what you want at it. And so I planned my funeral. Nice. And that helped. That was huge for me. Really? It was like, it's there now. It can Mm -hmm. happen whenever it happens. I felt those emotions. You felt good about it. I've thought about what it will be like for my family and my friends and I worked through all that. And so now I'm at a point where it's just like life is a gift right now and I'm super lucky to still be here to be as healthy as I am. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of hit that treatment became available. And I was like, shit, I literally just planned my funeral. Like I just grieved all these emotions and now there's there's this hope. So what's the treatment? It's Spinraza, right? Yeah, so Spinraza is the first ever treatment for SMAs. Like forever, people were just told to take home their kids, love them, and there was nothing they could do. Just wait. Yeah. And for the first time ever, there was this treatment available, and it was in trial phases in my first year of university, but I never would qualify for any of the criteria. And so I just watched as it like developed, and suddenly it was approved by the FDA in the US, and it was like kids were walking, and Oh my goodness. Babies who were being treated before they showed symptoms showed no symptoms as they grew up. They like hit every milestone. And I was like, what is this? And that's when I really started being like, I want this treatment. And so that was four years ago that I was like, I want treatment. And still through that time of wanting treatment, that was still when I planned my funeral. Mm -hmm. Like I was at this spot where it was like, I see something and I want it and I'm working towards it, but I also don't trust that. I'll be able Which to I think see is that. normal. Yeah. Exactly. And so I watched this treatment get approved and all these people in the US getting it. And then they started trials in Canada. And then Health Canada approved it two years ago. And I was like, wow, like this treatment is life changing. It's not going to be a cure for me. Like mm-hmm. my disease has progressed quite a bit. But it'll stop. It'll the stop progress- progression. Or, yeah. And that means it'll stop the day that I'm going to die. It's mm-hmm. going to extend my life significantly. And I was just like, I I need this drug. Like I just felt like there was mm-hmm. something forcing me to go through whatever freaking hoops I had to go through mm-hmm. in the medical field is like a ton of hoops. And so I went into a clinical trial to kind of get my foot in the door at um, Children's Hospital in my first year in Calgary, which was like 2016. Mm-hmm. And that trial was only two months long. And it was like placebo controlled. I had to like, I ended up dislocating a hip trying to qualify for it because there was all these physical things you had to be able to do that really looking back, I was too weak to do, mm-hmm. but I insisted on being able to do them to get this two months of medication. And the medication was amazing for two months and then I had to go off of it. And I was like, what? what? The fuck? Like I was just feeling stronger and healthier yeah. and I had so much more energy. So and- what was actually working? 
really well. It was working really well. And when the trial ended after two months, they realized they'd missed a step of safety testing for long-term use, Mm. which meant they had to go back and test the drug for two years before they could provide it. And I'd have to wait. And so that drug still isn't available right now. They're still finishing that stuff. Crazy. And I've always said I don't think- In Canada, right? Yeah. It is available in the States. No, this oh. one is the one I was okay, on wasn't. Okay. Yeah. That's a different one. It's a different one. So there's okay. like three treatments kind of in the works. So mm-hmm. Spinraz is approved everywhere. And then the cytokinetics trial I was on, um, only two months. They haven't been able to do more with it. And I think it will just be like an add-on. It really just helps your muscles absorb protein. Okay. And so the other treatments are more of like a gene replacement in yeah. a way. Like they're helping to trick your body into thinking it doesn't have SMA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one that I did for two months was just more about muscle health yeah. and like building strength. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, that one still isn't available. And so I started trying to get Spinraza and... When it first came onto the market, it had a list price of $120,000. And oh there was per, no one, per, per dose. Per dose. And you need six doses in the first year and three doses a, y- a year oh for the rest God. of your life. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Why the fuck? Say that slower. Say add that, that slower. Add that up. Just say that slower so I can comprehend this. $120,000 per, per dose, dose. For six doses. Six doses in the first year alone. And then every year for the rest of your life, you need three more doses at $120,000. Why the fuck is it so expensive? I guess it costs so much money to make or and pharmaceutical The research. Yeah. So they say the research, the time put into creating this treatment, the The treatment that literally who can afford that? Exactly. Literally though, who can afford that? Literally nobody. Even the richest person in the world probably couldn't afford that. Yeah. That's crazy. And so- my parents as teachers in Mushal, Saskatchewan did not have $120,000 for one dose, let alone yeah. like a year of doses sitting around. Yeah, yeah. And so we applied to private insurance. We tried to get through the exceptional access program in Saskatchewan, which will like allow you drugs that don't have coverage. Mm-hmm. We were denied through that. We like went through every hoop we could possibly think of trying to get this drug and there was just roadblocks everywhere. Oh. And so last year in... February, um, I got called by Children's Hospital and they told me they were bringing a new clinical trial and that they thought I would be perfect for. And it was an oral drug that works a lot like Spinraza. Um, It takes longer to build up in your system because Spinraza is administered into your spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And so it's obviously much more to the source. With it's a needle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a super complicated procedure with Mm -hmm. SMA because like I said, with my rods and everything, trying to get the needle into my spine oh, with all that crazy, metal around yeah. oh. is super difficult. Yeah, and so sure. they ended up having to keep me awake and like barely sedated. I wasn't sedated at all. They put freezing on my skin. That was what they gave me. And I then had to help them guide the needle into my spine. I had to say when they were hitting metal, when they were hitting you bone, I could feel it all. Feel like so like, so oh. wait, but that's spinners. I thought you did, yeah. didn't get that. I did. Oh, you did get that? Yeah. So how did Wait, you get that? I got to jump back. Okay. I jumped too far yeah. forward. So oral. So you were taking the oral. So I, the oral drug is what Children's Hospital called me about. And they were like, we're going to do this clinical trial. We think you'd be perfect for it. Um, we have limited spots. Like we're going to try to get it set up as soon as possible. And in May, I found out. So May of 2018, I found out that they only receive spots for kids under 18 years old. So I wouldn't qualify for that yeah, trial. Right. And I was like, shit, I'm still trying to get Spinraza now. And so it was after I got that news that I couldn't get into the trial. 
that I went onto Facebook and one of my parents' friends, like their best friend, had created a GoFundMe. Oh yes, I remember for me this. to access Spinraza. Yes. And they set a two hundred thousand dollar goal. And so they were like, we just want you to get Spinraza and see where it goes from there. We heard that one dose will actually stay in your system for about a year. And so they said, even if we can get you one dose, that'll stop it's progression for a year. Right. And that buys us more time because I was at the point still where the doctor was like, you have two to three good years left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funerals so, planned. Exactly. We've gone through all the emotions and yeah. everything. And we were like, this is hope right here. And so after we started the GoFundMe, we heard that this oral drug that Children's Hospital was doing was going to be opening some spots in the U.S. And they were going to be for adults with SMA, but they had to have at least a dose of Spinraza. So it was testing the safety of that drug with Spinraza. Okay. Because they wanted to see if they could treat people yeah. who'd been on Spinraza. Like right. the US, U.S. had been buying it for two years. So most of their SMA patients had been treated. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to see how it worked together. And so we were like, shit, we only have to buy one dose and then I qualify for this trial and that's free treatment. And the other cool thing with the trial was that it wasn't placebo controlled. Mm -hmm. Since people had already been accessing treatment, they weren't gonna ask people to go off treatment for the chance right. of being on placebo. Yeah. And so they told me that this was supposedly opening up, try get your first dose so you meet the criteria and then you can go into that. So we raised enough money we contacted the drug company. How much money did you raise? I think we're at like $185,000. It's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's the GoFundMe. Awesome. Yeah. It was wow. the GoFundMe. And then actually a man from Texas, he, um, his daughter goes to school in Calgary. He heard about me through her and he raised $60,000 alone through his contacts wow. in Texas for me. People oh who never goodness. met me people before. Oh my God. Yeah. Shout out Texas. Right. right? Um, there are some amazing people. Yeah. That Ken showed crazy. up. We met at a Denny's and no, he no just way. said he wanted to give me something and he handed over $60,000 worth of checks. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was like, that was enough money and he got it so quick that that's actually what we used to buy the first dose wow. because it just did you pay for his denny's i, <laughs> I wish i paid for his denny's no i still see him like every four or five months and he refuses to let me pay for anything ever he's oh, okay, just yeah. like the sweetest man that's so nice um, that's so awesome. yeah and so we got my first dose and in june i received it and it was super complicated. The first time they tried to do it, they were unsuccessful. They were just using x-ray to try guide the needle mm -hmm. and me. And of course, that was my first time having a needle in my back. So I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like it yeah. hurts. Like yeah, yeah. that's all I could really say. Yeah. Um, and so they finally had to stop. And like I came out of the room and there was like mascara all over my face. And I was like, I told them to try three more times, but they refused. They were like, you're done. Like, we know how desperately you want this, but you need to stop. Like, it's not safe to keep trying. And I was like, so angry. To keep trying what, sorry? The to injection get the, to oh, get yeah. the needle in. Because you got go like, through the metal. Yeah. Or... And I was like, just keep going. Like, there's a way. We're close. Like, the drug's right there. I could see it on the shelf. And I was Fuck. like, I just want it in my back right now. So they sent me home. And a week later, I went back and tried again. And we did it with CT guidance. And it What's was, like it's CT like, scan? yeah, a CT scan. And so they would like put the needle in like a centimeter, put me through the machine, See. look at where it was, do another centimeter in the machine oh, and out. Crazy. So it was like back and forth the whole time in a super like gradual so process. So is, is your situation unique or does, 
do a lot of people with SMA have uh, spina? What was it? Scoliosis. Yeah. So and so, do they have like that surgery? Ninety-five of us. Yeah. Oh, Ninety-five okay. percent of us with yeah. SMA have had this surgery, so yeah. it's complicated. If you're treating kids, they haven't had the surgery. Okay. And so, so it's, a bit it's, easier. it's the adults that make it complicated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the, that reason that the drug company didn't do trials in adults because it was mm-hmm. way easier under 12. They usually hadn't had surgery yet. Right. Yeah. So that was the population they focused on mm-hmm. with the trials. Jeez. And so they finally got the dose in. We like call New York and we're like, I got the dose. Like, what do we do next? How do we sign up? And they were like, well, we just got the final criteria and you need four doses of Spinraza, not one. What? And I was like, I literally told the hospital I needed one dose fundraising. We were like, we just need one dose. Like the whole time it was one dose going through the procedure. I was like, just one dose. I just have to get through this once. And so then we were like, okay, well, we got this far. Like we're not going to stop. And so we had like a mock wedding fundraiser. We had a cabaret. We had like all these fundraisers. And the GoFundMe just like kept going and people heard my story and were like, we will do whatever we can to get you these doses so you Mm -hmm. can access this trial. And so we finally raised enough for the second dose. And I went to book it with the hospital and they refused to book it. And they were like, it costs too much for the hospital to administer the medication. And we're not required to because the drug isn't funded and nobody's ever asked for us to administer this. So we don't have a proper procedure in place. They just had every excuse under the sun. Which hospital? Um, It was South Health Campus in okay. Calgary. Okay. Yeah. And so we ended up getting to talk with like the executive director of neurology and like all these people. Jeez. And it took four months for us to convince them. And they kept saying, well, if you can tell us you're guaranteed in the trial, we'll do the doses. And the trial was like, we can't guarantee her until she's had four doses. And it was just a back and forth fight. And it got to the point where like, I actually quit my practicum and I was just so crushed Fucking that we'd over like it. come so far. And then I was also struggling so much with the guilt of like so many people have given so much money for me to get this treatment. Yeah. And, and now you can't now get we're it. hitting roadblocks and I have this money sitting there and have told people I'm trying to get treatments and I can't get them. Like yeah, they yeah. are refusing. And so I started um working with an MLA. And we were like holding the government accountable, holding the hospital accountable, like threatened to have like media come into the hospital. Like it was just, we were trying everything to get them to do it. And finally in October, they approved me to do my last three doses. And I had to sign a contract that I'll never ask for another dose of Spinraza unless it's approved by the Alberta government and it is a part of their treatments. Jeez. And what? I had to like why? sign my life Why did away. they do that? I don't understand why they would make that a part of the contract. Well, because just... they don't want other people to be coming and asking them to get treatment. Mm-hmm. So if other people buy the oh. drug, they don't want to have to administer it. Yeah. So I had to say that like this was a one-off. It was only because I was getting into the trial. It wasn't expected long term. And so at that point, we called the drug company. We're like, yeah, we're ready for the next three doses. Because for the loading doses, you're supposed to get a dose every two weeks. And it had been four months since my first first dose. And so I was like, I want the next three doses two weeks apart. Like I want them following the dosing schedule because that also means I'm quicker to be eligible for the clinical trial in New York. And so we called the drug company and asked for the drug. And they said, 
oh, we've cut the compassionate pricing program where you were buying it for $60,000 a dose. So it's not going to cost you the full 120,000 for the remaining three doses. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I have enough raised for three doses at $60,000, not at $120,000. And as it was like, my parents were borrowing money from my grandparents. And like, Mm -hmm. it was just a mess of money trying to get enough money together for this drug. And then they were like, nope, we can't do it. And so I was like, shit, like I'm not done now, I guess. And so I went back to the media and was calling everyone within the drug company. I actually shut down their system with emails one time. Holy I got, shit. I put on Facebook, I was like, can Just you please email, email that this is like not okay? And broke the system with emails to the point where they were like, please stop. The head of our company is going to call you. Just ask for the emails to Jesus. stop. And I was like, I just need you to realize that this is, we're not stopping. Like you yeah. need to yeah. figure out how you're going to do this. Jeez, remind me never to piss you off. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it, se- it seems like they don't even, they're not even trying to help you. Isn't that the whole like point exactly. of a hospital is It was so frustrating. You? Like the drug company had this treatment and they're trying to make it inaccessible. And the hospital can provide this treatment and they're trying to make it inaccessible. Yeah, what the fuck? And I was like, I said, it was like a constant fight to prove the worth of my life. It was mm-hmm. like, well, this drug is so expensive. And it's like, so I'm trying to fight and say that my life is worth a quarter of a million dollars. And I was like, that takes a lot of like confidence to be like, yeah, I deserve a quarter of a million dollars to live. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I struggled with it's that. It's fucked that you even have to justify that. Right? Like, And I was like, I just, I had no money to put towards it either. I was like, I'm in my fifth year of university. I have all my student loan debt from that. I was like, I don't have a penny to put yeah. towards this treatment. And so I'm, turning and asking everyone else to make it possible for me. And so we ended up convincing the drug company to waive dose two. No, they let us pay $60,000 for dose two. So we paid 60,000 for dose one, 60,000 for dose two. Dose three, they waived the cost through a credit of the 120,000 I'd already spent. So just listen to this. So yeah, dose three was covered through a credit of those other 120,000 I'd spent. And then dose four, I had to pay $120,000 for. Hmm. So really it was $60,000 dose still, dose. but because they couldn't set precedent to allow anybody else to access it for $60,000. They made it seem different. They made it seem like I paid $120,000. That's so dumb. It was so ridiculous. And just Sounds like, like money hungry business. It is, it is, and just a hint into like the politics of oh, healthcare. Yeah. Like, I for never sure. realized the level of, level of politics involved in it until I started fighting for it. And it's mm-hmm. like, first we were fighting the federal government for coverage and now we're fighting the provincial government for coverage. And now it's at this board to be discussed. And now it's at this agency to be discussed. It's, in, it's interesting because you you look, everyone looks to Canada and they always say, oh, they have the public health care system and it works. It just seems to work so well. Yeah, it works and then if you, you just get a cold. And, or the exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it then works you if you have a broken it, arm, but like, if you have a life-threatening disease. It's yeah, like, it's... Mm. And like, I mean, let's... Uh, it's actually the let's, yeah and, and it sucks to talk down on universal health care obviously i mean it, we're super lucky to to access that and to have access to that so um it sucks to talk down on it but it's always good to still acknowledge the the shit you have to go through when you need special access exactly exceptional access and that yeah. was kind of when i like started my government advocacy work and I've now been to like the House of Commons and presented there and the legislative building and like met with everyone under the sun who's willing to meet with me. 
Um, I wish. <laughs> Trudeau, I like got my way into this disability event to oh, go meet crazy. Trudeau and nice. be like, you need to cover Spinaranza. Yeah, figure it out. Okay, so, but did you say that? There are. Yeah, I said that awesome. to him. I literally, um, Ryan dope. Miley is like the leader of the NDP mm-hmm. yeah, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And he was at Sidewalk Days and I saw him and I literally drove full speed to catch up to him and like <laughs> Just cornered him in high gear. literally in the middle of an intersection. And he Does was like, fast? it does. It uh-huh. goes like 10 miles an hour. Nice. Yeah, it's not bad. And um, I got the high speed package Faster than on I could it run. actually. <laughs> and um, I cornered him and he was like, I was talking at him and he was like, can we like go on the sidewalk so we're not in the middle of the road? And I was like, oh sure. Like didn't even notice we were in the middle of the road. I was like, I'm not missing this opportunity. Yeah. To tell you what needs to change. He's he's the type of guy who would maybe listen to. He has been amazing. Too, he? Yeah, a medical practitioner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so he's actually been a big help. Now that we're at the stage of the provincial governments deciding what they're going to fund for Spinraza. Yeah. So right now the federal government, um, they have this board called CADETH, and it's like the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technologies in Health, and they decided that the government should only cover people under twelve with SMA, and. Only if they've never walked, never stood, or have never been like on breathing support. So they've never needed like a trach mm-hmm. or BiPAP. Um, so permanently, what like, percentage of the population that cuts SMA? out like at least fifty percent of the SMA population, and the SMA population is the one that fundraised all the money to research and find this yeah. drug. Like yeah, we're the ones who the were fuck? like the guinea pigs for all these years. And now it's like, oh shit, you're too old now. Yeah. And there's actually a little boy who we've been fighting with his family in Saskatchewan. And he was under 12 when it was approved by Health Canada. But it took them this long to make this funding decision. He's now 14, doesn't qualify what? for treatment. Oh, man. Like it's just a mess. That is fucked. And so we're continuing to like fight for all of that. Um as an SMA community, but I was lucky enough that I got those four doses, flew to New York three months after um, my four doses were complete. Recently, right? You were just there. So I just went there last month for my final screening and got approval three weeks ago. And I started the drug um, on Tuesday, the 18th. Wow. So, or the 19th. And so- so, How was your, how has first, I guess, Spinraza helped you? And then how has this new trial drug, I guess you're just, yeah. so, it's so recent, you can't really tell. Yeah. But how was the loading phase of Spinraza? The loading phase of Spinraza was wild. It was like, so my first dose, um, I had like intense burning in my muscles. It was like, Ugh. they were like spasming and burning and like, I didn't know what was happening and it started in my core and then it like slowly spread through my body. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? And it was painful. Um, and I got like really bad spinal headaches from the procedure. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a struggle. But once I kind of cleared um, in the summer, I was like so much stronger, had so much more energy. I was just like feeling so great. And then I got those two, three and four and I went for my repeat strength testing. So I did a strength test. It's called the Hammersmith muscle function test. Just mm-hmm. a like muscle movement test basically. And um I scored a six out of a hundred on it the first time. A six. A six. That's what my strength rated Holy on that scale. Shit. And I was like, well, if you want to make a person feel like shit, be no, like, yeah, shit. you're a six out of a hundred on strength. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. And so by the end of my four doses, I was a 13. Wow. And I was like, that's double. Literally what I was double. Living with before. 
And my energy, like my friends were beginning to be like, shut up, Shaylin. Like I used to we always it, you're be so strong. Literally. And I used to always be so tired. And I would be like, guys, I just have so much energy. <laughs> like party. literally, and I had such an appetite. And I was just like, I just want to do everything. Like I felt amazing. That's so great though. That, and um, it was amazing until like two away. and a half months after my dosing, it started to wear off. And I was like, all of a sudden. I was tired again and my strength wasn't going away, but my stamina and mm -hmm. my energy were like right. shot. Decreasing. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And it got to the point I was talking to another girl with SMA and we were like, it literally feels like you're craving spinraza, like you're desperate yeah. for this stuff Whoa. that makes you feel so good. For sure. And so, but I had to go on this three, oh, three month clear off period before I could start this drug. And so it was hard because I was like, this drug made me feel so it great. changed your life. Yeah, but it has these rises and falls. And the doctor was like, that's going to be the rest of your life with Spinraza. You're going to feel great and, and you're going to have off. to let it wear off before you can get it again. And I was like, that sucks. Like, I'm going to live my life around the rises and falls of Spinraza. Is and it the so, same with this trial drug? No. So that's what made me even more excited for this trial drug. Um, the doctor said it takes a month to build up in your system and then it maintains for the rest of the time you're on it. Well, and so because you take it daily, it's putting it into your body daily and maintaining those levels. And so that's going to be the amazing part of this drug. I already have more energy. I'm like fighting a cold and yeah. still have the energy to like go out and present yeah. and do all these things, which I would never be able before. to do. Like before treatment, when I'd have a cold, I'd be in bed for a week, like yeah. no school, no nothing, like weak as shit. And I was like, what? This is not my normal. Mm -hmm. And so I'm super excited to see what the treatment's going to do That's as it so builds awesome. up in my system and know that it's constant. So it's a trial period. Yeah. So is, it's a three-year end too. Yeah. Fuck, so it's a three-year-long trial, which is way better to begin yeah, with. Yeah, for sure. Um, the amazing part of the trial is it's free. They pay for my transportation there, wow. my hotel. It's awesome. Um, it's all covered. So it's cool. literally free Damn, treatment for that's three years. Amazing. So that's the first amazing part. The second amazing part Sorry, is who's, that who's covering it? It's called Roche Pharmaceuticals. Okay. okay. Um, and yeah, they're the ones who developed the drug, awesome. and they're paying for people wow. to go in the treatment. Wow. And. It's kind of funny because all the other people, there's 10 of us in New York in the trial. Mm -hmm. And there's actually only like 50 spots around the world for this trial. So Whoa. it's super hard to get into. It's pretty sweet how you get to um, go to New York too. It yeah. is. It's yeah. a cool place. Can I've never friends? been there. We, we'll do a podcast in New York. Literally, yeah, please, I am. And, I'm going and, with like four girlfriends on Friday. Nice. We're all Are you? up. Yeah. Nice. How often do you have to go to New York? So I have to go every two weeks right now. What? Oh, so cool. That sounds terrible. Where are you staying? Right? Where are you staying? Um, I'm staying at the Empire Hotel. Wow. From Gossip Girl. Sick. Um, cool. Yeah, it's super nice. And yeah, it's just been wild, like planning my life around this every two weeks for the next two months. Man, that's crazy. And then it goes to every three months um, for the rest of the trial. So that's way more manageable. And then... After the three month trial is over, they actually offer three years in compassionate access as a thank you for going to the trial. Oh, so, so I you actually get six, six years, years of treatment that's, that's for awesome. free. Wow. So it's amazing. Where that's were all these well, fucking uh, people with the Spinraza shit? Right? Like all these nice people right? sure willing to actually help out. Yeah. I sure hope it works out though. Yeah, I'm that. super excited. The doctor has said that it's like, she thinks gonna be better than Spinraza. And so we'll see how it goes. And Amazing. just like any treatment, like it's all gonna depend how hard I work and how mm -hmm. much physio I do. And I actually just, um, the Kinsman Club here, Musha donated a standing wheelchair to me. 
So I'm going to pick it up on Monday from Wascana. They got it all set up for me. So I'm going to work on weight bearing, which I haven't done in like 10 years. Wow. And so that's and that, So be that's huge. just like an electric wheelchair that you stand in? It like, like slowly a stands oh. up, literally. Oh, nice. So like it like can slowly build up that ability yeah, yeah. to so stand sl- fully. Every day or something, yeah. raise it a centimeter. Exactly. Cool. And so I'm working on that. Um, I work with a physiotherapist and I go to the gym. There's a accessible gym in Calgary that has like all these weight machines that are wheelchair, like set so up for great. wheelchairs. Do you, so, do you, uh, did you do any of that here? Cause my friend, uh, Chris Lasanko, do you know him? Yep. Yeah. He has a gym, uh, that's an accessible gym. Oh. First steps wellness. I think it's called. I've never been. Yeah. So that's in Regina. He's a, he's a former lacrosse player who actually had a spinal cord injury, uh, in his like lacrosse days. He was oh, my, my goodness. He was my team SAS coach. Yeah. Wow. We're actually going to get him on the podcast eventually, but that's yeah, he has cool. a, it's called First Steps Wellness Center. I'm gonna I have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So, so um, can we talk about like all of that stuff is amazing, of course. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about regular shit. So, how important is it for you to do regular pe- people things? I mean, it's... I mean, you're you're obviously presenting. You got all this shit going on. You're in trials. How do you stay grounded and be a normal human being? It's like essential for my sanity to have a bit of like normalcy in my life for sure and so i go to school and honestly school it sounds ridiculous and i'm like staying in my four classes in university while going through all this and doing all this stuff but it's literally what keeps me feeling like a normal normal 23 year old it's like yeah i have school i've got to do my homework i've Mm got to i'm working towards getting a job like i need that to be a motivator for me to go through all the other things Mm -hmm. and so I try to like just go out with my friends and just go on trips. And I try to make my life seem as normal as possible in the days where I have downtime from the other things. And so if I don't have a speech or I don't have a doctor's appointment, I try to just ignore that side of my life for a day or I get super overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Of course. There's like a, there's, there had to have been a, a year or a point where where you probably mental health took a took a toll right because like i'm thinking one day you're gonna have to just be like this is what happened to me fuck like yeah. now you, i gotta accept it yeah so like um had have you struggled with depression or anything like that totally yeah. um i started struggling with depression in grade seven mm-hmm. i started getting bullied for being in a wheelchair then I had people like putting on Facebook that I deserved to crawl on the floor, that I didn't deserve a wheelchair. Like it was out of control. People who are friends with me who started the fuck getting does that? right. Kids, man. People who are friends Evil. with me started getting like pushed down the stairs because they were friends with me. And like what, it was what just elementary school did you go to? or Heights. Jesus. Like, oh, yeah. was- Tony had to leave there too. <laughs> I yeah. had a big mole on my neck. We had a huge mole, and <laughs> no, we had no, to. No. We literally had it's, to change schools because of it. I got I got made fun of by um, this one guy, who ended up actually being my best friend after <laughs> I left the school. Are you serious? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, K- kids uh, are evil. They that's- are, and so that's when I started struggling, and then it got bad in high school as my friends started like dating and driving and yeah, for sure. planning like they would just go away or like stay at each other's and houses it's so easy for exactly. them exactly and yeah. i was they like don't have to they just plan hop everything. in each other's vehicles yeah. and i was like stuck at home like my yeah. parents were driving me to every party i'd have to come home after every party it was yeah. like it was hard to be different at that point when you like just want to fit in of course yeah. and 
I had amazing friends through high school who like would go above and beyond to make it so I was a part of everything mm-hmm. and like it's amazing. Yeah, those formative years would be the definitely the most difficult ones. Yeah, they really were. And so that's when I started counseling in grade eight and I did counseling all through high school. I still do counseling. Good. And I think it's what makes it all manageable. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I yeah. could keep up with this pace and the reality of my life and like all the planning and work it entails if I didn't have that reminder of how to think and how to stay positive. And I've taken antidepressants for like six years now and I've tried to go off of them and I'm like, you know what? My life is still too much for me right Mm -hmm. now and I'm on a good level with them that I can do everything I want and I'm happy and I'm like, it's not a bad thing that I have to take these meds to be able to function Mm -hmm. and Yeah, it's just one year at a time for me. I just kind of see, I'm kind of at a transition point right now. I'm graduating university this year and I need to find work and I need to move out of residence and I'm getting a service dog and I'm starting a clinical trial and I'm just like, it's a lot. It's a lot of change. It doesn't sound like that much. Yeah, Yeah, right? It's just minor, minor changes. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's it's overwhelming at times and it takes like my friends being like let's take a weekend in vegas yeah let's let's just fucking bounce let's forget about the wheelchair for a minute and my friends are amazing because like they'll lift me they'll help me with whatever i need and so instead of having to bring someone with me to help me like in university i have workers that i hire at nighttime um because i can't get in and out of bed on my own so they stay overnight in case there was ever a fire or anything Mm -hmm. and so i'm my life is dictated by that schedule. Like yeah. when they arrive, when they leave, that's the only time I have to be out of my wheelchair. That's the only time I have For to sure. sleep. And I have to make all my plans around it and make sure that I have people that are reliable and mm-hmm. I do all their payroll and all their scheduling. Jesus. And it's so nice to take a break from all yeah. of that and just yeah. know my friends know what I need and are able to make it happen. And I just get to like, be with my friends for a few days. Yeah, for sure. Jesus. And yeah, those are the like sanity breaks. Totally. For yeah. Me. Everyone kind of needs the normalcy, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you need to get away from all that craziness. Well, and even like this next weekend when I'm going back to New York for my next trial appointment, I'm bringing three friends with me. And so it's like, yeah, I'm going for doctor's appointments and all this stuff, but, but it's also just a girls, fun trip. Girls and weekend. Yeah, so I have like those supports there. For and sure. so go shopping shout out to the friends who help us out exactly yeah um so how how much do you or do you get tired of just having to talk about this or or i guess having to put on like because you are so uh you're very well spoken um you, you you can talk about it and i know that that's something you're passionate about of course but there's some days where you just want to like say fuck yeah there are there are so many days and so many days where i just don't want to be the like innocent positive girl in a wheelchair the the face of exactly and it's like i i'm passionate about it and i know that i'm like it fell in my lap and i'm like okay i guess i'm doing this and i do it for people like lewiston and people who don't have a voice to fight for it and it it keeps me going but there's so many days where you i'm like wake up I w- you want to be a normal fucking exactly human being. i'm like, like i just want to like not have to pretend that life's easy and then yeah. i'm like yeah i'm gonna do this it's great and i'm there's some days where i'm just like life sucks i'm exhausted i don't want to be in a wheelchair i want to go hop in a vehicle and go for a drive and not plan a single thing mm-hmm. and it's like it's hard for me because i 
am not good at sharing that vulnerability. Yeah. And I've learned to share more and more vulnerability as I've moved along in this. Yeah, I think as you get older too. Right? Exactly. But it, it also so, kind of sucks that you're, you feel inclined like you need to share that vulnerability. Right? You know, like I don't feel the need to share it when I'm having a shitty day. Like, why should you? You know, it exactly. Should, it shouldn't be a thing. And it's like, I feel like a lot of people have in their heads, they're like, shit, this girl's got it all together. She has no bad days. She just yeah. knows what she's doing. And it's like, no, there's days where I call my friends and I'm like, I'm done. And yeah. they come over and I just tilt in my wheelchair and I'm like, I can't do anything. Like, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm done. So and yeah, it's like learning how to get through those days and balance. Mm-hmm. Those so, yeah. So let's talk about the benefits of medical marijuana then. Does yeah. That, <laughs> does that help? Long ribs. Yeah. Does, that does, has does that... been life changing for me. That's amazing. Um, I started having pain in high school and I was on like Advil Tylenol every two hours back and forth. And to the point that like, if I take an Advil now, it does nothing. It's like candy, like my body's so used to it. And so we started slowly moving up on the painkillers and it got to the point where I was like on Oxycontin and I was on morphine and I had horrible side effects and I couldn't function and I was still in pain. And I was like, this isn't working for me. Like I wasn't sleeping, so I was exhausted, which was then making me in more pain. And then you're always high too, which yeah, isn't fun. Yeah, it just, it just wasn't working. And so I had a doctor, um, a physiatrist who switched me to a pill called Nabilone and it's synthetic THC. And so she's like, try this, see if this is something that works and we can go from there. And so for two years, I took this synthetic THC pills that you just like got from Walmart. Yeah, yeah. And they were helping. They were amazing. I was in no pain. And then it got to the point where I was on the max dose of it. And she was like, your body's gotten used to the synthetic. It's time that you like look at something it's else. time to get a bag. Time, yeah, time to go buy a bong. It's time literally. to buy a bong. And so my parents as teachers were like, uh-uh. Like yeah. this, this is not my mama's terrified. She's like, you're going to become like a meth addict. So like hilarious. what is going to happen yeah. here? But yeah. then I'm sure like the same way they jumped in with SMA. I'm sure they did their research and started actually exactly. learning about it. Yeah. And they've seen firsthand the difference for me yeah and so i actually yeah got hooked up with natural health services in alberta and they have like an amazing team of doctors that monitors it all so closely and like sets you up with the proper pharmacies cool and they were amazing smoke it with you exactly literally (laughs) he's like well at home i recommend this and i was like okay (laughs) um and yeah it's just it's super nice now that it's been legalized too because I For feel sure. like I have to hide it less. Yes, yeah. Like it was definitely, especially in my Stigma. line of work um, and being in the criminal justice world, I was just like, I yeah, felt- felt like a criminal. I felt like a criminal yeah. and I felt like I had to hide it. And I mean, I smoked weed in high school, like who didn't try yeah. that kind of stuff? But I was just like, it was never a part of my life to For have sure. like a bong sitting in my house yeah, or yeah. like something like that. For and sure. It just- helps me in so many ways and allows me to function like a normal human being without mm-hmm. pain that I just can't and imagine my life without, without it, it now. It's yeah. crazy cool. because um, now that it's legalized, there's going to be a lot of medical research going into it. Exactly. So it's, it's pretty awesome that like the health benefits are huge still with, with pot. What's your favorite way to consume oh, the marijuana? Joint. Oh, joint? Yeah. yeah. Nice. But, I'm supposed to take oil during the day. I'm oh, allowed really? to smoke at night, and then I take um, a CBD THC oil blend oh, um, that'd be good. through the day. Is it the, one of those little pens? 
No, I have one of those, those are too. Good. I love They're those. great. Yeah. But um, it's just literally oil you put in a syringe and like put into your coffee. Okay. Um, and so that's how I'm able to like consume it through the day. It's cool that um, it's a CBD blend. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Because with the anxiety and stuff, it helps mm-hmm. to have that side of it, too. Um, and so, yeah, I get to smoke at night, have the oil during the day to make sure I'm not in pain at school and everything. And yeah, like I don't think I look high ever. I don't think I use it to the point of like getting super high. Blasted, yeah. Exactly. It's more to getting to the point where I'm not in pain. And Mm -hmm. that literally feels like being high to me. It's like, I feel so good not being in pain that it's like, wow, like what are we going to do? And my friends will laugh at me because they're like, they'll see in my eyes when I'm in pain and when I'm not. And they're like, oh, you look like you're in pain. Like Mm -hmm. we better not do anything else today. They'll be like, oh, like you're having a great day. What do you want to do? Like, let's Mm -hmm. go for a hike. Let's like go find something fun to do. Crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, for it's me. good. Good for, uh, I guess, all things, right? Exactly. Pain probably makes your spirits high. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I can't. Uh, it's crazy because you, I, I have these conversations, and of course, I'm not. This is no pity, um, at all. Um, but it's sometimes I complain about shit, you know, and and then I. I get this perspective and i'm like why the fuck am i complaining yeah like like i'm literally able to stand up out of bed and that's like a gift you know like um well it's funny because i always was like so chill with people complaining it was like they complain about like their car not starting and i'd be like well it'd be fucking sweet to drive but (laughs) i just like sit there and and now as i get older and like the friends i've been friends with for a long time you're becoming bitter i'm becoming like okay shut up like you're fine your brand new car is costing you more than you thought in gas yeah like and i'm getting to the point where i'll say it and i'll be like shaylin like it's fine it's kind of funny no one else lives your life but i'm like yeah there are times now where i'm like it's not that big of a problem like there's real world problems it doesn't matter how many likes you get on a post or like how many followers you have Mm -hmm. i'm like just trying to like make sure someone shows up to lift me out of bed but like (laughs) i'm like and so i joke about it now and i think that helps me not be bitter i'll be like yeah that must suck like yeah and my friends have always like made wheelchair jokes and like made fun of like in the kindest way but like made fun of my weakness or like what yeah. i can't do and i think that really helps me accept it too because like they identify it and they see it but they don't like it doesn't bother them they right. like joke about it yeah. it's not it's, it's the about, end of the world yeah and it's mm-hmm. all about the intent i mean they're not they're just want to have fun exactly it's like me making fun of frank exactly and frank making fun of me yeah the same shit right? it's just like this is what I look like. This yeah. is what you have to work with when we're joking about me. Yeah, like, yeah. And so, yeah, we always try to have a lot of humor yeah. in it. It's awesome. Yeah. Keep it light. Yeah. So where can people go to learn more about this? Like for me, I, even before I met you, I've been watching this couple on YouTube. I forget their name. Oh, Shane and Hannah. Shane and Hannah. They're doing amazing things. And, and honestly, they're so, it's so educational because they, you know, like, I watched a video the other day of like how I have a shower yeah. and they literally just show how like you shower with SMA and like it's very educational in an informal way, which I think exactly. is super important. Yeah. And, and yeah, and they're, um, Hannah is completely able-bodied or whatever. Yeah. And Shane has SMA. I think a more aggressive yeah, form of it. So see, he has type two as well. Type two as well. So it's the same as mine, but as yeah. you can see, it's much it's more severe more than mine. for sure. So yeah, it's such a wide scale, but yeah, mm-hmm. his is quite more and progressive. You ever talked to them? Um, I have talked to him oh, quite a bit. Yeah, that's yeah. So nice. Dope. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh he's making waves and like and they even were 
when you were going through all that Spinraza stuff, I was watching some videos and uh, they were explaining it from Canada's perspective too, which I thought was really cool because they're, they're not just, you know, only worried about where they are. They're exactly. actually, you know, trying to spread knowledge to the world. Holy shit, so, you did do research. So what was that? Uh, well, it's YouTube, man. Oh, <laughs> so, that, that's Frank's yeah, style that's of, my research, style of right research right there. But, um, so where can people go? Like, obviously, I forget their the name of the, their page, but if you just type in Shane and Hannah, SMA, yeah. you'll find it on YouTube. But are there other resources that people can go to learn more, especially from a Canadian-centric perspective? Yeah, yeah. so Love for Lewiston is, like, my go-to for SMA. So we um, are doing a lot of exciting work for SMA, but on the other side, we're funding wheelchairs. We're funding yeah. uh, vehicle lifts. The needs. We're like, yeah, we're seeing that service these dogs. things cost so much money. Service oh, dogs. Man. How much and is a service dog? Just to tell. Thirty thousand dollars. Thirty grand. How excited yeah. are you for a puppy, though? I am so excited. I think that's so how. Excited. I think that's how I originally came. It across was because you, you donated, and I was like, Christmas. "Who is this guy?" And then I asked my friends, and they all knew who you were. And I was like, "Okay, well, I'm an idiot because I've never heard of him." Yeah, but and I then never. It all I had never known you either, and then I made the connection with Mr. Taylor because yeah. he's a teacher. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just. But that's how I heard of you. You were looking for a service dog. And yeah, you needed thirty grand to get a dog. Like yeah. it's crazy. What kind of dog is it? He's an English lab. Oh, okay. Um, he's like ninety pounds. He's huge, but he's so gentle. So, and of course, he's quiet. So and yeah, he's amazing. They're trained amazing. Like people don't yeah. think of a service dog as being an expense like that, right? But and it's an expense like that, and then you see what they can do, and it's like shit. That's like having a hired hand yeah. with you all the time, Man. like. It's Man. insane. I, uh, like, what can they do? Like, what are some kinds of things? So, I did work. Sorry, I did work with a visually impaired woman. Yeah, uh, I volunteered just to just like I did this digital story on her when I was in university, and like, man, she this dog was like unreal. Would stop at the curb. Would like pretty much guide her around the world. Yeah. How would a service dog help you? Wait, what's his name? Atre. Atre. Yeah. So he's um he was born in Czechoslovakia yeah. and was raised there for six months and then brought here. And he was a gift to my trainer because she was she just opened her service dog, like government registered service mm. dog agency in Edmonton. Yeah. And so she had worked in Czechoslovakia for 20 years. So they donated Crazy. Atre to her as like a gift for opening. Yeah. Oh, and cool. so he's from a line of like 30 years of service dogs. Like Whoa. he's like yeah, and he's bilingual because he was raised there for the first six months. So he knows wow. all, his, all his commands oh, in both languages. In and, um, and but yeah, he can like take, um, he'll do my laundry for me. So he'll put the laundry in the laundry machine, take it out, put it into the dryer. That shut the fuck yeah. up. On, right? Really? He'll grocery shop for me. I'll tell him what I want and he'll take it off the shelf and put it oh, in the basket. What? What the hell? He'll, no wonder this dog's $30,000. Right? He'll pick up my credit card or like anything I drop, but like that small. He can pick up paper without creasing it. It's called like gentle pick. Oh and he like God. literally is gets a, it with his lips. Is and there like, a video? You have I have videos on, on my page. Yeah. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. He has, where, where a, he has his own you? Instagram. So no way. He's at Atre, the service dog. How, how do you spell it? A T R E J. That and then it's SD for service dog. So nice. um, I'm gonna follow that right now. Yeah, it's pretty cute. I post lots of stuff. I love him. it. Um, but yeah, and he can like help me reposition my legs. So I'll put like my hand beside my calf and I'll say touch, and he'll stick his head in behind my legs to like stretch them out, and then stay there till they're good, and then he'll Jesus. back out. Yeah. 
That's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, oh, he's like, so cute. he'll put his paws on my armrest and put his head under my arm and lift my arm with his head so I can reach things. Oh, he's opening the door for you here. That's amazing. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's so so they're, cool. they're trained to just help people or do they kind of have to be familiar with you? So he's trained as a mobility dog. Um, So he's trained to be working with someone in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And then before I get him, we'll do two weeks of team. So I've like spent a lot of time with him already. Yeah. Um, Matching with him and then like doing some testing with him. And then we'll do two weeks of team training before he's mine. So I'll like learn all the commands and we'll like, really work on switching his bond from the trainer to me. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, he's That's mine. So He'll cool. be mine by the middle of May. So. Uh, uh, how yeah. old is he? They must retire. He's just about two. They must. Uh, they work for 10 years. They work for 10? Yeah. So, and then they get to. And then they retire, get to be a pup. So do you have that thing on him that says, do not pet? This is yeah. a service dog? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then when you take that off, that's when they know. He's a dog. That's yeah. when they know they can be a dog. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And um, he actually, since I do this kind of work, and especially in like classrooms and stuff, I wanted to make sure people could still touch him. So we actually have a command where he stays with his attention on me, but anyone else can pet him and touch him and everything. So it means that if someone, like if a kid comes up to me and I want to tell them about the service dog, I can give him the command and he'll continue his attention on me, but allow for other people wow. to touch him. Whoa. So yeah. It's, it's like smarter be, than me. Right? He's brilliant. Smarter than me, really. That's so I guess crazy. we come like from a line of all those amazing dogs right, right? well the one day he Good they genetics. were coming for a meeting for me to sign like my final um contract and he uh walk he was walking around he didn't have his vest on and the trainer and i were talking and we were at my dorm and i forgot i dropped my lip trap that morning and he was just walking around and all of a sudden he came over to me and had something in his mouth and like put his head on my lap and I put my hand out and he picked up my lip trap uh -huh. that I totally forgot I dropped. And she was like, did you ask him to do that? And I was like, no. <laughs> Match She's made like, in he literally right just wants to work for you. Like uh, he just, that's yeah. So also He's, like, yeah, you don't, like there's no feeling like, oh, I'm making this guy work. Like, exactly. So that's cool that he yeah. actually loves to do that. He loves We'll to have help. to do a follow-up podcast yeah. oh, when you have totally. him. Totally. amazing. Totally, yeah. That's so cool. so cool. So your Instagram, where can people support you either financially or just to follow your page or what What do you suggest? And also, what was that Lewiston? Where can they? Oh, so Love for Lewiston. Um, if you just look up Love for Lewiston on Google, it's loveforlewiston.ca, um, but it's it'll pop up right there. It'll tell you all about the work we're doing. Um, we host like a birthday party for Lewiston every year in memory oh, of him. Yeah. So, so the third birthday is coming up on May 25th. And um, last year we raised like over $140,000 at his second birthday. Wow. So, wow. Um, where, where is that? It's in Calgary nice. um, at Rodney's Oyster House. There. You guys should come for I sure. Totally come. That would be amazing. Be awesome. A podcast with Jess. Our mom lives would there. Be so like, we totally really? could. Yeah. Yeah. We totally could. I'm getting you tickets. Let's make it happen. Jessica, we when need to it? get these guys tickets. I'll take pictures there too. May 25th. Sure, I'll take the uh, the flight and meal costs. Sounds That's good. Well Deal. Deal. <laughs> You're sold. No, um, we totally should. That would, totally that would be amazing. But yeah, it's, it's um, amazing. Jess is actually having a baby. It's been three years since Lewiston passed, and she's due in the middle of April um, with is that their nerve, baby. Is it nerve-wracking for her? It was terrifying. Um, they ended up getting genetic screening done mm -hmm. in okay, vitro. Just, uh, 
and the baby doesn't have SMA. And so that's amazing. I'm actually the only one who knows the gender of the baby. And so that's super exciting for me. Insider information. You sure you don't want to share it here on uh, on the Elevators podcast? I've I've been threatened that our friendship's (laughs) off and I will get no baby snuggles (laughs) if I reveal that. Um, But yeah, so Love for Lewiston is an amazing resource for SMA info and events and ways to give back. Um, If you Google me, every single article and news interview i've ever done pops up so there's a lot of information there they're not all great but shaylin shaylin taylor it's s-h-a-i-l-y-n-n and then t-a-y-l-o-r cool um but my instagram is where i post updates of the trial the dog um my life and so my instagram is at shay s-h-a-i brooke b-r-o-o-k-e and then tay t-a-y-y that was my nickname we'll link it we'll link it in the uh, podcast description as well yeah shout out to bren roberge for creating that like 10 years ago and yeah it's stuck with me ever since yes i'm gonna hit a follow perfect i get a follow back oh you got some followers though hey it's built it's crazy as my spin raza journey and like the news hit all these people started following me that's so good i was just like there was a new pressure to that i was like (laughs) all these people want updates and i was just well be prepared there'll probably be another three or four followers following Uh, you from this podcast solid return for me i love it yeah yes. well thank you so much Jay. i hope we You're can make that may 25th thing happen yeah it'll be amazing and uh, let's go hit the bomb yeah yes. let's do it <laughs> Fine. all right i Thank you.